Hey everyone, Joel McLean here from Inspire Leadership Coaching and welcome to another episode of This Is Leadership Podcast. But before we get to that episode, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of of a context for the next few episodes. Now this is actually going to be part one of five, showcasing the book Disrupt the Status Quo, Inspire, Innovate, Lead, Teach and Learn. And this book was authored by four people, Brian Aspinall, Daphne McMenemy, Matthew Joseph and Christine Rivesi Weinstein. And this first episode uh, is an interview with Daphne McMenemy. And I had to come on and record this little bit before because since my recording with Daphne, which took place a few months ago, uh, she has actually been awarded the Prime Minister's Award for Teaching Excellence. So I wanted to come on here and, you know, let you guys know that she was awarded that. Congratulations, Daphne. I'm really happy for you. Very well-deserved. And I'm really excited about this series. You know, we're going to be interviewing and talking with each of the authors. And the last part, which will will be episode five, will showcase everyone together at the same time. So, you know, I hope you enjoy it. Get out there and buy the book, Disrupt the Status Quo. It's a great book. And, uh, you know, enjoy all the episodes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to This is Leadership, a podcast dedicated to bringing you insightful conversations with leaders that inspire us to be better and to go further. I'm your host, Joel McLean, and I am very excited to have you here with us today. Now, let's get to today's episode and get our leadership on. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of This is Leadership, your intersection between growth and leadership. And today I am Super excited, super excited to have uh, Daphne McMenemy with me today. And listen, Daphne is an educator, author, and speaker. Uh, As an educator for the past 17 years, she has created opportunity for children in her classroom to explore learning in innovative ways. Uh, Daphne is committed to building relationships, meeting students where they are, appreciating each individual, and finding opportunity to engage and motivate students in creative innovative ways. And her newest venture allows her an extensive creative outlet as a managing director of Code Breaker Inc. Daphne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited too. We were talking before uh, before the recording and of course we're both in Ontario and we're not that far from each other. So even though you thought North Bay was way, way more up north than <laughs> yes. what it really is. <laughs> it's not too far north. It's it's not too far north. It's like, it's like I was explaining. We're like we're like the south of the north, right? So yes. we're we're like almost. I was saying we're practically like right in the middle of, you know, between between Sudbury and Ottawa and Toronto because we're about three and a half hours north of Toronto. So and about a four hour drive to Ottawa, but about an hour and a half to Sudbury. So it, it's almost like that that center point between all those hubs. So we're like Southern Northern Ontario is what we are in North Bay. So, so we're not too far. Yeah, it's not too far at all. So listen, Daphne, thanks for being here. And so for the for the people uh, that are listening today, uh, we are going to do a five-part series. So first time that I'm actually ever doing a, any kind of a series in, in this fashion. But uh, so I picked up a book. And Daphne is, uh, of course, uh, one of the authors of the book, Disrupt the Status Quo. And here it is for the people that are on fa- on uh, YouTube. Here it is right here. You got to get out there and you got to buy your copy. It's great. Number one on many lists. We'll get to that in a second. And I said, well, here's a fantastic book. I started reading it and we've got, you know, we've got four authors, uh, four people that authored the book. And I thought to myself, well, it'd be great to be able to speak with each of you individually, but also 
I thought it'd be really interesting to get you guys all together after. So we're actually going to do a five-part series where I'll be interviewing each author, and then uh, hopefully we'll we'll be able to find a date and a time where we're all available at the same time, everybody together, and have a quick chat about the book. So listen, Daphne, before we get into it, um, how about you tell us a little about yourself so that, uh, you know, the people listening to us can get to know you a little better. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, great. So my name is Daphne McMenemy. This is actually my 18th year in education. Um, I started teaching grade two and three when I first uh, got into uh, teaching. And I moved into grade one at about... Mm. Mm, about six years into my career, I moved down into grade one and it was, uh, it was pretty challenging. It was not <laughs> something I was used to. Um, but then I fell in love with, uh, with that age group and their, um, the, the curriculum in Ontario. Yeah. I loved where I was at. And then after a few years in grade one, I realized, um, I was ready for a change. I was ready for a new challenge. And I really wanted to understand where, my grade ones were coming from. So okay. in Ontario at the time, we, um, a new kindergarten program came into play. It was a full day kindergarten program. So where our kindergartners were, um, two years with the same educator team That's and right. it was a new curriculum, new program delivery. And so when I was getting my grade ones who were coming from this program, um, I was really curious to see how that kindergarten program, um, unfolded so I could understand my grade one learners a little bit better. So I moved into kindergarten. I can tell you the first week in kindergarten was absolutely the most uh, difficult thing I've ever done <laughs> in my entire life. Well, everybody always um, says that, you know, that the teachers that are teaching there, it's everybody always, you know, gives all the kudos and, you know, f- full respect because it is, uh, it is a different kind of challenge, but I think it's, it's a good challenge, but it definitely is a different kind of challenge. Yeah. It's, it's so far beyond a challenge. It's a whole new <laughs> world. Like it's not... It's like apples to oranges, especially okay. in those okay. first few months. Um, I think I cried more than some of my students in that first <laughs> few weeks. But once I got my feet wet and once I started to sort of understand my own, um, you know, abilities uh, as, a, as an educator with our kindergarten students, and I started mm-hmm. to um, embrace the program and embrace uh, the learning styles and the needs of, of our students, because the age range is um, so vast mm-hmm. in our full day kindergarten program, it's um, like some of our students are still three when they're coming in and you'll have students who, you know, will be turning six in a few months as well. So it's just such a huge, um, you know, uh, not, not gap, but it's, it's this huge space where there's so much learning that, that has happened in their own little lives as well mm. as, you know, what they've experienced in the classroom. So I spent three years in kindergarten. I loved it. Mm. Um, and the only reason I left kindergarten was um, because of the pandemic and our, our uh, yeah. enrollment numbers were yeah. going down. So I was put back into grade one. Um, and it was at that point that I realized this is really where I belong. It's it's what I love. Um, I love the, like I said, I love the curriculum. I love the age range. I love their, you know, their ability and their, their sort of zest and passion for, for learning at that age. Um, and, you know, they spent two years in kindergarten doing amazing things. And now I just get to do that much more with them. So this year I am in my 18th year and I'm teaching a, a great straight grade one this year. And we are just about three weeks into the school year. Um, I'm exhausted <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as, as we are, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're having, we're having a really good time, um, outside of teaching uh, a few years ago in, um, 
uh, I wrote that actually you can see it if you're, if you're watching. Oh, yeah, Gracie, um, right? There it is yep. right there. I'm pointing, I, uh, I'm pointing in my screen, like <laughs> yep, as if it's yep, on my side here in North enough. Bay. Yeah, I see you know, it. It's like over there, over <laughs> there. there. <laughs> I, um, yeah, so I started writing, uh, I start, I've, I've written a series called Gracie and Gracie is about um, a little girl who was sort of really disinterested um, in school. You know, it okay. wasn't her favorite place to be. And then her teacher introduced her to uh, coding and robotics and yeah. she kind of, discovered uh, her own passion and she discovered um you know what she could do with this new learning and and mm. you know her imagination and, and where it could take her um and that uh that was the first book so the first book in the series is called gracie there are two more in the series as well okay and then uh most recently um as you mentioned i'd written i was uh, one of four co-authors of a book called disrupt the status quo um, and outside of teaching and, and authoring and uh, speaking, I'm also the managing director of Codebreaker Inc., which is a uh, consulting yeah. and publishing company yeah. um, here in Canada. And wow. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a long list. It's a great list. Um, I have a lot of fun and it really, everything that I do really sort of feeds my creative side. So it uh, it's a really sort of expansive thing lists that I, that I do, but I love it all. Yeah. And, and you said it right when it fuels us and I feel you because it's the same for me, you know, with inspire leadership of the podcast and the keynote speaking and whatnot, it's, it's a, it's a passion, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 and it's what fuels me every day when I go to work it, you know, those elements are what, you know, help me to, to, to be able to do the work that I do. It inspires me to do the work that I do. So I think it's great that you know, it, it, of course it's, it becomes, it becomes, you know, the, our pastime, it becomes, you know, our hobbies. And, but when your hobbies, if we're lucky enough to find them or find the hobbies that passion that are, we're very passionate about and be able to bring that into what we do every day, then you're living your passion yeah. every day, all day. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, wow. So, you know, JKSK and, and grade one and, and pandemic. So, you know, the good thing is the pan, what, what came out of the pandemic is that you were able to reconnect with that passion, speaking of passion, that passion, you know, teaching great one, which is fantastic. But let me tell you, the pandemic wasn't, uh, wasn't easy for, for no. the JK and SKs, right? And that's where you were when it first hit, right? Um, actually when, um, I, when it first hit, like and, when they first uh, went like at home, yeah. yeah. when in, in March, 2020, I was in, I was teaching kindergarten and that yeah. was, um, it was really difficult just from sort of a logistical point of view, like how yeah. do you teach these, you know, small people online? Um, and then, you know, we didn't really have any policies or procedures or anything in place, every, right. you know, as, as everybody was around the world. Um, but I, I have to admit that the hardest part um, about that. So at the time, our school board didn't really have any mandates in place. So, you know, mm. we were, we were providing what we could for parents in, um, you know, in Google Classroom. Um, and we were meeting with our kids once a week, we had a, yeah. a one hour meeting. Um, and that was the hardest part was okay. seeing their faces on the screen, um, made it, it was exponentially difficult. It was, it was a really emotional hour because mm. it, it, it just like, it reminded me of how much, um, I needed to be in the classroom with them. Um, and it was really, really hard to, to see them once a week through a screen, um, you know, and then once, once we sort of, you know, got those, you know, uh, skills in place and, and, you know, we, we, we had some clear expectations in terms of what we were expected to do as educators and what our students were expected to do. Uh, that part became a little bit easy, I think easy 
that part became less difficult, less difficult <laughs> I yeah, think is yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, but teaching kids through a screen is, um, was one of the most difficult things that I've, I've had to do in education. That was, that was a huge, huge challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And when we felt it, we felt it, uh, everywhere, everywhere, yeah. right in the whole world. And I was principal in, in, uh, I think when that first hit, where was I, I was in, uh, in a school, I was principal of two schools in a small community called Mattawa. So I mm-hmm. had, I had the elementary school, uh, JK to grade six, which mm-hmm. we had about a hundred and 40 students, about 130 students. And then I had the high school and, and it hit and it was just, it was something else to see, uh, you know, to see how hard the teachers were working to try to connect because that's, that's, you know, we're humans, right? So we're, we need that human connection. We need that, that, that relationship building connection. And like you said, nobody was ready for that, right? We didn't have any policies as well. So we, we, same thing with us, except we were Microsoft, right? So everything through, you know, OneDrive, OneNote, and then it went to, you know, the website on the school board site and a, a section for parents. And, and I think we just did the best that we could with what we had. And, but I think what it taught us is that, you know, for some students, it did work, right? Yeah. And for others, it didn't. And um, definitely, I think from what I'm seeing from the research that's coming out of that, which is interesting enough, and, you know, and I'm going off on a tangent with this, but interesting enough, the research w- that's coming in is is actually showing that it's maybe not the best, the, the best way in general, of course, it generalizes, the best way uh, to learn uh, for for most students but uh, for some students, it does work. So it's yeah. interesting to see where we're going to go. And as you know, in Ontario in high school, they're mandating online classes as well for the high school students now. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see, you know, where it's going to go and what kind of uh, research, what the research, research is going to say, you know, once we we study that and the impact of that on the students and on the learning. So really interesting times. But listen, Daphne, today we're going to talk about the book, of course. And the book I'm talking about is not Gracie. Maybe that's, that'll be for another time. But if you are interested in Gracie, I think that those books are available to buy on Amazon, I would imagine, yes. Daphne, and through yep. your website. So I'll link those up in the show notes. Amazing. So, yeah. So if anybody wanted, you know, would like to get a copy of Gracie, I'll usually I'll put in like, you know, the, the link to Amazon and I'll put the link as well to your website Perfect. so, so that the people can. But we are going to talk about today about disrupt, you know, disrupting the status quo. And I'll be really honest with you. Uh, I, I received the book last week and I'm the I'm the type of person where. You know, I'll I'll be reading a book at work, mm-hmm. and then I'll be reading another book at home because at work I've got like mastermind groups with my with my principals and whatnot, and we we do book book studies as well, right? So, so I'm like uh, only at page uh, what page am I at here? I'm at page forty seven, <laughs> but it's still I'm I'm enjoying it. I like how it's structured, and I don't want to I don't want to mm-hmm. say everything now because I want to keep some stuff from when we're all going to be together, but um. The first thing that that jumped to my mind. So what I'll do is I'll just take little snippets of what I've read of what of what you wrote, and then maybe you can maybe mm-hmm. react to that and tell us where that came from, that type of deal, right? So yeah, one of the first things that uh, that popped out is, and that really spoke to me is, uh, in the introduction you were talking about, you know, chaos, chaos in the world, and how that can bring uneasiness. However, it can also bring opportunity for strategic creativity and personal growth. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think um, I often refer to my classroom as as organized chaos, and yeah. um, you know, and and I think I, I I'm pretty sure I write about it in the book as well. If you stand in the doorway of my classroom um, most days and look in, it looks like chaos. Um, you know, I'm not a um, sit in rows, mm. everybody as so kind of teacher. Um, yeah. You know, everything that we do. Um, 
and my costume is very hands-on and there's stuff everywhere and there's people everywhere, uh, big people and little people, there's things everywhere. Everything is just sort of happening all at once. Um, you know, I teach 20 students, there's 20 different things at least happening mm. at once. Mm. So, um, I don't look at chaos as necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, okay. I think that, um, when it's sort of controlled chaos, uh, and I say yeah. that meaning, you know, like if you could actually see what my desk and the rest of this office looks like, <laughs> it's pretty I'm, chaotic looking. I wonder if it looks like my uh, my desk at my, in my it's, office at work. It's so. Piled yeah. this high on either yeah. side yeah. of the screen, but I know where everything is. Um, right. And you know, and that's that's sort of like also how my brain works. Like it, it doesn't shut off. There's always things happening. I'm always thinking about something. Um, and, you know, and I can I can pluck different things out depending on on what I need, and, mm. and I, I face my classroom the same way. Uh, whatever you need for your learning, then I expect you to be able to, 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 to not only to, to know that, and you know, mm. that takes time as, as the year progresses um, to teach our students, but also to be able to have your own access to that. So, okay. you know, my, my classroom is set up on very short shelves so that kids can reach everything. If they can't reach it, then it's not uh, for them to use. Mm. So they have access to everything. And what that looks like is chaos because it looks like 20 kids going to get, you know, things everywhere all around the room. And so, but that chaos really, you know, sort of leads opportunity for us to kind of sit back and really observe what's happening around you. And you can observe the things that you need to change. You can observe the things that aren't working, not mistakes, not failures, but the things that are just not leading to, um, you know, the success that you want either for yourself personally, professionally, yeah. for your students, yeah. um, for their growth, emotionally, academically, whatever it is that you're looking for. But I think it's in those times where there's a lot happening, where you take those moments to sit back and reflect that you can really, really um, see the sort of, you know, what's what you're looking for. I find it's all an happening at once. <laughs> well, yeah, and and I've seen it countless times as as a school principal, uh, you know, for for a long time now. Uh, and it's it's interesting enough how some people still have that notion where you know if it's a noisy classroom or if there's a lot of walking around, you know, they'll walk by and they'll judge that, right? Yes. And I know you guys talk you you talk about it in the book a little bit, but you, you know, do do we still see that today in schools? I think so. Um, mm. I think, and even myself, like my classroom is never quiet. Um, yeah. and it's, it's always very messy, um, while we're working, um, you know, because things are everywhere. We need things, we need pencils, we need, you know, technology, we need whatever it is that we need. Uh, yeah. and it's just sort of everywhere when we're done, everything has a home and everything goes back so that we can, you know, live in sort of organized, um, space where we can thrive. But I think, personally, knowing how loud my classroom is or knowing mm -hmm. not, maybe not loud in terms of volume, but how, you know, noisy it is the chit that the chit chat that's happening. Yeah. Um, when I walk past very quiet classrooms where I, you know, I'm looking in and I'm seeing students who are, um, you know, appearing to be listening or focused or, um, you know, much quieter than my students, I don't judge my colleagues. I actually, uh, you know, almost judge myself. And uh, there are times where I can, you know, sit back and go, well, what am I doing wrong? Um, and it's a really terrible way to think because I'm not doing anything wrong. And that's something mm -hmm. I, I talk about in the book too. It's not that I'm doing something wrong. I'm just doing something different. That's right. Um, some people don't have a high tolerance for noise. Some mm -hmm. people do. So 
you know, it can be, it can be as simple as that, is that, you know, we, we teach in the environment that we learn best in. So, you so know, true. So we true. make, we, that, that's what we sort of offer to yeah. our students. And until we sit back and realize this is not my environment though, it's ours, you know, and I need to make sure that there's opportunity for the kids who need quiet to have that. There's opportunities for the kids who need to move to have that as well. So you we have to make sure that we're reaching sort of all of those, those learners. Definitely. Definitely. And quiet and quiet doesn't mean learning. No. Right. So, you know, we, you know, I think that everybody will agree that just because you walk into a, a classroom and everybody's, you know, sitting quietly or, you know, they're in their rows or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that there's learning taking place. And yeah. then to be quite honest with you, you know, based on my experience as a, as a school principal, you know, since 2006, um, I, I think the best memories I have walking into JKSK, you know, you know, like, like the grandfather, I'd come in and I'd like get everybody excited and leave. Right. But oh, yes. I, I, <laughs> we know, we know sometimes with the guitar, like sometimes not with the guitar, <laughs> but um, I, I think some of my fondest memories are some of the times that I've noticed the most, like, like those wild moments were actually when they were moving around and, and, you know, not being crazy, but just moving around and learning and, and talking and getting and talking with friends and getting feedback yeah. and, and going to another, you know, activity center. And, and that's what that chaos is, right? It's that good chaos. And, yeah. and in chemistry, we call that entropy, right? And chemistry mm -hmm. teacher coming out here, but you know, the degree of chaos, but I think, you know, I agree that I think that sometimes when we look at life, most of the time, it's not always this organized, you know, day in, day out thing. That's always the same thing. So I think there's a little bit of chaos in life as well. So, um, but I think chaos, you know, presents some great learning opportunities for kids. It presents opportunities for them to be able to learn from other kids in the in the classroom. It mm -hmm. offers them opportunities to be able to discover things that they wouldn't have had they have been sitting silently. And sometimes it's it's okay to sit silently and and to be in a row. And there, you know, there's I think there's yeah. times for that as well. But I think that if we're intentionally planning some of these a little bit more chaotic, not in a sense, like you said, where they're climbing the walls and, and it's not that it's, it's more like a, a hustle bustle and a busy where they're walking around. And if we can provide those opportunities for our kids, you know, not only are they just learning from somebody that's showing them something or talking to them, but mm -hmm. they're also learning from their interactions, especially at that age, because there's so much happening just physically in their brains and in their bodies you know, that they need those yeah. little moments of chaos to learn. I, I look at it too, um, as you know, the, the kids who are, um, up and wandering and, and getting what yep. they need. Um, those are empowered learners. You know, those are not kids who, um, who are worried about asking for permission to do every, anything or everything, you know, those yeah. are the kids who, who understand that they need to have their needs met. And, uh, you know, we are in a space where, you can have your needs met because you should. So get up and go get what it is that you need. Um, you don't uh, need to ask. Yeah, absolutely. And and guided as well, because, you know, a, a student at that age can get up and say, well, it's because I want to do what I want to do. But, yeah. you know, having that that uh, that routine in the classroom and, and talking to the kids and getting and, and teaching them, you know, the intention of yeah. learning what is learning and why and what does it look like? What does it feel like? I think it's really important at that age. And we, maybe we don't do enough of that. You know, we're looking for compliance, maybe a little bit more. We're mm -hmm. looking for them to be able to, you know, sit and tie their shoes and then go, you know, and then be in a line. And those things are important, but just to be a little bit more intentional with their learning when it comes to that kind of an approach, mm -hmm. I think would be super beneficial to a lot of kids. Absolutely.
Perfect. So listen, uh, let's move on to another one that uh, that I marked down. I like on my highlighter. I highlighted <laughs> that because I thought it was really interesting. Um, again, in the introduction, because you know I did say I was at page forty-seven. <laughs> I'll get the mo- more stuff when we get back here. That's for sure. I'll no be able problem. to ask you more questions. But um, and and maybe this is this is coming back to um, to that connection piece. I loved it when you said, uh, consistently, we fight the desire to be accepted with the desire to be ourselves. I thought that was, you know, and you maybe think about even my experience as a te- when I was in a classroom as a teacher and my experience as an administrator, but, you know, I'd love it if you could talk to us a little bit more about that, the desire to be accepted versus the desire to be ourselves. I think that, um, I think that might be Matt's section, to be honest, oh, is it? Hold on <laughs> or a second it might be here. Christine's. Oh, you know what? It is Christine's section. You're absolutely right. But you know what? Even if it's Christine's, (laughs) we're going to talk about it because it was really great. And I'll have one less for Christine, but I'll find her another one. But just, I think it's great. And I'd just like to get your input on that one. Yeah, I think um, as teachers, we, you know, it's, it's so easy for us to to compare ourselves to Mm. our colleagues, um, especially, you know, similar grade partners or, um, you know, people in that are teaching the same division as you or the same subject as you. And, you know, at times you can be sort of led um, by that desire to be accepted. Maybe you're new in a building or maybe you're a new teacher um, or you're new to the subject or you're just new in general. Um, So you can, you know, that, that desire to be sort of accepted can kind of um, guide us to do things that maybe we're, we're um, not comfortable doing. And, um, you know, we can often quiet that inner voice that we have. And, um, you know, even though you know that maybe this doesn't feel right, maybe this isn't, this isn't exactly who I am, but I'm going to teach that way, or I'm going to do this activity this way, because that's what my colleagues are doing. And I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, you know, being accepted or somebody likes me or Mm. I'm, it's perceived that I'm doing a good job or that I'm competent or that I know what I'm doing or, you know, insert any one of those, um, and it takes it takes a lot of self-reflection. It takes um, you know time to be able to realize who you are as a person and educator. Absolutely. It takes time to to um, grow and have that self-confidence to realize what I'm doing looks different, but it's just as good or just as insert whatever word that you're looking for there. Mm. You know, with my colleagues, and so we have to really look internally at who we are and who we want to be and at the students and those that we lead um, and where we want to take their learning and our own learning. And that comes from, you know, believing in in yourself and not sort of being guided by the desire to just be um, popular or, or, um, you know, liked or welcomed or what have you. You really have to look deep within to see who you are as an educator. Absolutely. And that, and that can be tough, right? Because yeah, very. especially if, if you're in a building where we've got a lot of strong personalities or if there's mm-hmm. clicks or, you know, and, and, and listen, that exists everywhere, not just in schools. You know, my wife's a business owner and anywhere you go where there's, where, where you start, even in small, but especially when you get into bigger staffs, you, you'll see a lot of that. And, and uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard, especially when you come in and you're new or, you know, you, you want to fit in, you know, it's the same for a new student that comes into a school will we'll want to fit in and want to feel accepted. But, you know, piggybacking on what you said, I think it takes a lot of maturity as well because, yeah. and because, and that reflection comes from maturity and not necessarily maturity with years. 
I think that as professionals and as educators, we can mature by just investing in ourselves and and, mm -hmm. and to keep growing and keep learning, right? Because that's it's it's almost like that chaos we're talking about in the in the JKSK class, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's it's allowing us to move around to discover things, to ask questions, to to really think about, you know, what's my position with that. And sometimes that position or that realization that, that we're going to make doesn't jive with what that a certain group thinks, or you know exactly. that if you're to speak up and say, well, you know what, I don't know if I really agree with that. And, you know, we're afraid of that reaction and and then we're seen as disruptors. Right. And, but in a negative way, when in fact uh, it's not negative at all, and we're just, you know, we're evolving, whereas maybe others aren't evolving. It's, um, it's so true. And I think it really comes down to um, your own experiences, not necessarily age, but what you've gone through, or what you've experienced in the classroom or, or elsewhere. And it also, um, yeah. also, I think there's something to be said for the people that you are surrounding yourself with. You know, I used to be um, somebody who didn't necessarily speak up just because okay. I didn't think that, um, I just, you know what, I was in a very small school, so I didn't have like a, we, we weren't working per se with each other. Everybody was sort of doing their own thing because it was such a small school. There was only one teacher per grade. Okay. Um, you know, we had beautiful relationships. We all got along, but we were all running our programs so very differently. Mm. And, and that was, you know, the practice in that particular building. And then when I moved to a new school where I had multiple grade partners, yeah. I started speaking up um, too much and I, and not too much, sorry. I, the way that I was speaking up um, wasn't maybe the most um, smooth <laughs> way. And I was sort of uh, being a little bit abrasive and, okay. um, and, and loud and loud in a way that I was sharing my opinion and I was sharing what I thought was right but I wasn't actually listening to um, mm. what anybody else was saying. You know, yeah. I started believing that, you know, what I had to say and what I had to share was important. And um, it's not that I felt that what somebody else had to say wasn't important, but I certainly wasn't taking it into consideration. And I wasn't yeah. really uh, the way I was speaking and the way I was sort of carrying myself. I wasn't really giving people an opportunity to share what they had to share. Um, and then I had an administrator who sat me down, um, one day after I spent, you know, 20 minutes in her office complaining, okay. um, and she said, I hear you, but here's what you sound like. And here's, and, and I write about that, um, in the book as well, you know, the idea okay. that I had to be, I, I was at a point, thankfully, where I could sit back and actually hear what she had to say. And she explained, um, you know, and I'll give her more credit than I'll give myself. While I was able to sit there and listen, it was because of the way she spoke to me. Okay. You know, she, and she was yeah. able to say, here's how you sound. And here's what people think when you're speaking. And she said, I know this because that's what I thought. Mm. And, you know, it took time for me to understand who you were to learn how this is how you're coming across, even though that's not the intention behind it. And so having that conversation with her and really listening to what she said forced me to kind of really think about how I was coming across to my colleagues and um, how I needed to change that, whether it was by what I was saying or what I was not saying. And that made um, a, a massive difference in mm. who I became as a teacher and especially as a colleague. So while I wanted that opportunity to share what I had to say, there's also, there's, you know, there's, 
there's a, a practice in terms of how you want to, to speak up and how you want to share your ideas and making sure, you know, you can sit there and say, well, I don't care if anybody likes me. That's fine. You don't have to care, but you do have to care about how you are affecting somebody with the way you're choosing to carry yourself. And, and sometimes it's not, you don't even realize it, right? It's like, I didn't, it's like, uh, people that are in, in maybe a little bit more toxic, uh, groups or things like that. Often in my experience, they don't even realize it, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think that if we can, if we can be in an environment, you know, how we always say, you know what, it's really important who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And you had a person that was able to to actually, you know, have the courage to 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 sit down and talk to you and say, listen, you know, because they probably seen, you know, okay, well, Daphne is is maybe not realizing it because when you're passionate about something, and you're and you're talking about it, you know, that's what's going to come across. But it, I think what can happen sometimes is it can it can put little it can put blinders on us sometimes, right? So that's we won't exactly see those those different angles. And I think that's no, that's normal. So what I always hope is that I'm and and with experience. What I, I hope to build in in a staff is that we develop that that collective you know that collective uh, collaboration and and mm-hmm. and have those relationships to a point where we're able to to talk to each other like that whenever you know we're a little bit off key or or whatever it is that somebody is able to to talk to us and say listen you know maybe you're not realizing it and because it can make a big difference but you know it's hard because sometimes we won't see it and yeah. coming back to the maturity piece you have to be ready to take it in as well when, yeah. whenever, you know, and it sounds like you were like ready and that just changed a whole, whole bunch of stuff for you. It, it really did. It, uh, it really made me realize, you know, how I was coming across. And so yeah. when I moved schools, um, I remember having a conversation with my very first teaching partner. So for your listeners who aren't in Ontario, our, uh, kindergarten program, mm-hmm. there's two educators in the room. That's right. And so um, my uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, Rosie was her name, uh, first kindergarten partner in my new school. That's one of the first things I said to her is, you know, um, this is who I am and this is uh, how I might sound, um, but it's not my intention. And I'm going to make sure that I'm doing my best to not sound like, you know, a know-it-all or, you know, not sound like I'm, I'm questioning your yeah. Your professionalism. Um, yeah. but if I do say something that makes you feel in any way, you know, not, um, like we are equals and we are partners, mm-hmm. then please tell me so that yeah. we can make sure that we have that open line of communication. And that made just, just me being able to say that to her made all of the difference in the world. And, um, and, and I can be honest, we didn't have a time where either of us felt, um, you know, that we weren't, you know, respected and appreciated by the other. And I think it's because right from the get-go, we knew yeah. what the other yeah. person was all about. Yeah. You laid your cards on the table and and yeah. here, you know, here are the, the, the rules of the game, but we're accountable to each other, right? Yeah. So I have to be able to depend on you. Like that's what I, and and I I would tell my teachers and I, and I tell the, the teachers on my team today that the same thing, you know, please tell me before I make a huge fool out of myself because you guys are listening to me first and I need to know, because if I don't know, I I don't know what I don't know. Right. So, but having put that and, you know, right off the bat, putting your cards on the table, 
a great question to ask the people that are that are listening to us. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher or or uh, or a principal or or what have you. Are those kinds of conversations that you're having with your teams? You know, like at the beginning of the school year, are you sitting down to say, you know, this is how we're going to function. These are our, our you know, these are our, you know, the, the 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 rules of the game that we agree to to play by. And we're going to help, you know, hold ourselves accountable, but in a way that we want to build and not destroy. We don't want to squish anybody, but it's it's in the objective of building the team and making the mm -hmm. team even more solid. And I think that's great. You know, I think it's great that you did that with your with with your partner in your classroom. And you have to because, you know, you're work you're working with that person every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so can absolutely. you imagine when you don't have that and it happens? And you've got yep. that cloud and you've got that tension. My God, coming into work every day like that, that's crazy. It's, yep. And I experienced that as well. So it's, uh, you know, it, it took, it was a really big learning experience for me. And it was a really big knock um, off a pedestal that I was slowly, um, un unknowingly putting myself on. Um, yep. And so it was, you know, it was a hard hit, but it was really, really, really important for, for me to, to, to hear what I had to hear so mm -hmm. that I could, you know, become better. Absolutely. And I would say even like a lot of people that, that I've known, you know, it's not because the intentions weren't bad, were bad, you know, the mm -hmm. intentions were good, but sometimes, you know, we don't hear ourselves, you don't see ourselves. And, and that's, what's, be, that's what it's all about being in the team is to yeah. be able to have other people around us, you know, to help us in that journey. Right. So absolutely. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Now, you know, in school, sometimes, unfortunately, like it, like in other workplaces, we will, you know, sometimes come into uh, maybe some people or groups that are a little bit more toxic. So, you know, what do you do, Daphne, to not get, because you talk about it, you, you touched on a little bit uh, in the introduction where you talked about, you know, uh, do we let ourselves be driven by it or by the, you know, influenced by the toxic toxicity around us. So what do you do to be able to get away from that or to deal with that whenever you face it? Um, I think early in my career, I would not even early in my career, I think for um, a long time in my career, I think it's fair to say, I would get sucked into it. Um, yeah. And I didn't, me too. I mm. didn't, maybe, maybe I did realize it, maybe I didn't. I, I think I was um, a bit too young to sort of, you know, be, um, self-aware enough to know, yeah. but, uh, I did start to discover, you know, in the last few years, what being within that sort of toxic environment, what it was doing for my mental health outside of oh, school yeah. Yeah. and what it was, you know, the, the, the anxious feelings that I was getting. And then, um, you know, seemingly a very small thing could happen. And all of a sudden I was, you know, on the verge of, of, of a panic attack because I was so overwhelmed with something and it seems so minute, but what I started to realize is it may be minute in that point, but it had been building and building and building because mm. I was sort of in this environment where I was just constantly listening to this. Um, and because I was constantly listening to it, I was probably as, as equally guilty as sharing that, that negativity. And I think in the last few years, I've started to really be able to um, become more aware when I'm getting sucked into it. And so I can um, stop myself from sort of being surrounded by it. And I think for me, it's as simple as uh, being physically not in that space or yeah. like, you know, like if I'm feeling that there's a day where I'm feeling a bit anxious and I know that there's, I'm going to be in a space where there's going to be some, you know, negativity and I just don't want to be there. I'm yeah. just not going to go there. Um, and I didn't know that before. I didn't, I didn't know, I wasn't aware enough to realize that that 
it's not that, that, that I didn't know that it was an option, but I, I didn't realize how detrimental it was. So, um, you know, I'm very comfortable with being alone. I'm happy to, to sit in my classroom and have lunch by myself. If I know that I need that quiet time, that space, yeah. um, and you know, and, and the school that I work at now is this beautiful building filled with incredible colleagues and it's mm. no, you know, toxicity for me and in, in, in my space doesn't exist where I am, but there are times where I still need that space because maybe I'm feeling like I want to, you know, complain to a toxic degree, or I know that maybe my headspace isn't where um, it yeah. should be. And yeah. I don't want to be the person that's just constantly complaining about something. So yeah. I'm going to make sure that I don't put myself in that situation where I'm, you know, being the person who's being toxic. So I can, I can just remove like physically for me, just not be mm. in those spaces. And I've, I'm, I'm learning to, um, take in as much as I can take in from the people I'm surrounded by. So if I'm in a toxic space, I can sort of, I'm, I'm learning to sort of shut it out, uh, you know, listen and not be rude and not be, you know, impolite yeah. or anything like yeah. that, but just be able to, to, to end a conversation when I think it's, it's, you know, enough for me. And it can be as simple as sitting with some AirPods in and listening to music and sort of drowning out what's uh, what's happening around me. And I think uh, that that quiet yeah. time is important. Absolutely. And like you said, it can build up, right? Like all yes. the little moments and then all of a sudden it's having an impact that you, on you, on you at home and then you're just bringing it home and then bring it back to work. And it just becomes this terrible, it can become this terrible cycle and it does have a, it does takes, take its toll on your, on your well being, Definitely. You know, Absolutely. Like, like I've, I've experienced it before in my career and I've seen countless people experience it as well. So I think it's great that you found ways to be able to regulate that. And I think that comes with the fact that, you know, you, you were open to, to having conversations and you're continuing to grow and you're continuing to better yourself. And that, then that maturity comes in, like I was saying, you know, not necessarily mm -hmm. sure with, with, with the years, but it's not only about that because you can be, you can have been teaching 25 years and still don't get it right. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, so you have to be intentional to be able to, to, to want to be better and, and, and reach that. Mm -hmm. And with that comes ways that you discover how to regulate that so that, you know, you take in, this is what I need to absorb. And when I've absorbed a certain amount of what I don't want, I don't want to be part of it. Right. So yeah. I find ways of turning off that negativity tap without, you know, offending anybody without yeah. even most people even realizing it, that, that you're doing it, either stopping a conversation, like you said, or just changing, changing the, the, the topic of conversation or just leaving a, a space or just having time for yourself. So I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's always a work in progress um, because, you know, there's moments where I'm really good at doing that. And then there's moments where I'm not good at doing that at all. So mm. it's, it's, it all comes down to, um, and I, and I say this exhaustively, but it really comes down to being self-aware and that self-reflection yeah. piece. And if we're not stopping um, to think about that, then we're, we're not stopping to think about it. And if we're not stopping to think about it, we can't make those changes. Love it. Love it. Um, so listen, Daphne, uh, I'm, I'm not going to touch on any of the other stuff in the book because I've yet to read it <laughs> in part looking forward to it. I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, how it's structured, but I'm really enjoying your, your, uh, your sections as well. Uh, quick question, you know, for you, what does disrupt the status quo? What does that mean to you when you hear that? As disrupt the status quo, yeah. it, you know, it's always sort of meant, um, making change, Okay, but 
not making change just for the sake of making change, making change for the better, uh, realizing what is just status quo and what is because it's always been that way. Yeah. And looking at, you know, making making that change for the better for our students. When I when I think of disrupt the status quo, I immediately think about teaching and I immediately think about my students and mm. how you know, it's so easy for us to stay in the exact same practice over and over and over. And it's, it's not our learners this year are not the same as our learners last year. They're, they haven't experienced the same things and our learners next year are going to have a very different future than our learners five years from now. So to just consistently doing the same thing over and over again, because it's, what's always been done is, is not good practice. And so, you know, changing that and, and we use the word disrupt because, so often we we follow the status quo because it's comfortable and because we know what to expect mm-hmm. and to to disrupt that is comes back to that same word chaos it, it looks a little bit chaotic but it's for the the good and it's for for the benefit love it shake it up right got to shake yeah. things up and 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 another thing i would say when it comes to you know doing things like we've always done it gets some, some of those routines get to a point where we don't even realize it. We don't even question it. We don't even, it it almost becomes like breathing. We don't even Mm -hmm. think about it and we're doing it. So just if, you know, it doesn't mean it's not good what we're doing, but what's not good is not stopping to question ourselves. Is it Mm -hmm. still good? Is it still, you know, uh, is it still giving our students what they need? Is it still giving the staff what we need? And sometimes the answer will be yes. And that's fine. And sometimes it'll be no, and we're going to want to tweak it. So, um, yeah, listen, I think that's great. Uh, Daphne, if, uh, listen, if, uh, people would like to get a hold of you, uh, how can they do that? You can find me, uh, very active on Twitter at McMenemy tweets, and you can find me on my website at Daphne That's awesome. I will link those up in the show notes. So, uh, just head on out to inspireleadership.ca and you'll see in the podcast section, you'll find, uh, a picture of Daphne. And uh, you'll be able to click on that and you'll have all the the links to her uh, uh, Twitter profiles and her website and so that you can get her books and of course, disrupt the status quo. So Daphne, it's been great speaking with you tonight. I really appreciate you taking the time to to be on the podcast. Uh, You know, for the people listening to us uh, right now, Daphne, what would be one wish you would have for them? One wish. Hmm. Find, Find your passion and share it. Love it. Love it. Find that passion and share it. Just like what you were doing right now. Exactly. (laughs) That's great. So listen, Daphne, thanks again. Um, I appreciate your time. And so this is part one of of five parts. So we're going to be talking to you again at the end. We're going to be all together. Looking forward to reading uh, the following, uh, the next sections that you wrote. And really looking forward to speaking with you uh, with all your uh, fellow co-authors as well. That's exciting. Thank you. I loved it. All right. Bye-bye. Hi there, it's Joel. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and that you were able to find many useful takeaways. Adding value to others is one of the most important actions a leader can take. So please share this episode with your friends and colleagues and on social media. Let's reach out to as many people as we can. Want to connect with me? Well, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can visit my website, inspireleadership.ca. If you'd rather send me an email, my address is joel, that's J-O-E-L, at inspireleadership.ca. Take care, everybody. And now, go get your leadership on.